A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice and Heinrich Hausler instrumental today. We'll have Tour of Slovenia afterwards if you're listening on podcast players. This is the Tour de Swiss Stage 8, the final stage recap from Andermatt to Andermatt. I think it's like the reverse of the stage they did yesterday. Not sure entirely. Uh, they do like a cobbled climb. It's actually very beautiful. The last climb is the big one of the day. The sun got past 12K, 7.5% and cobbles for a lot of it, but not nasty ones. The descent off that is the descent style finish is non-technical. Big highway, beautiful paved surface, not too many turns, and then it's a flat sort of false line descent, quick run into town with a cobbled uh, style finish. So reminder of the GC standings going into the stage, Richard Carapaz, 17 seconds ahead of his South American compatriot Rigoberto Uran, who had a great TT yesterday. Alaphilippe went home for the birth of his child tomorrow. So Schachmann was in third on GC in a minute 07. Full sang knocking on the door, 115. Woods all the way back at 310. And then the rest are way too far back. Don't care. Uh, so the question was, would EF be able to try something? When would they try something? When's the best place? As well as, I guess, the battle for third. Uh, between Schuckman and Fulsang, and who would take the stage. But it was a break, and Hermann Pernsteiner looking good once again, Benji. Yes, indeed. Hermann Pernsteiner not exactly in the early breakaway because they started off with attacks on the uh, first one of the day, the uh, Oberal Pass. I hope I pronounced that correctly. We've got uh, David Einspool, Soler, Freiler, Duby, and Kro Andersen. They're attacking uh, a move by Benoit, Kung, and Lechnesund after that. So that would mean three riders of DSM in the breakaway if this group would form. And that actually happened because on that first climb, those were the riders that were off. Went into the descent to the Lukmanias Pass again. And on that climb, we saw the move from the peloton by the legend himself, Nos Peters, Nath Bernsteiner, of course. Edmond Bernstein looking really good. Nospiter's there as well. Mauri von Sevenant as well in that move. Three riders trying to bridge up towards the front of the race. And um, at the front, I think Antonio Nibali was fighting with De La Cruz and Sami J for KOM points uh, on this stage. From what I think, De La Cruz actually took that, but I'm not 100% sure of that at the moment. But anyway, uh, that breakaway eventually completely formed after that Lukmanir pass into the descent. And we started the... Uh, last climb with a with a proper group one minute only on the peloton because Ineos was taking relative control but also EF early on in the stage was pacing in the peloton so I don't know they missed out going in the breakaway or what do you think yeah I was just gonna I was gonna ask you that I was were you surprised not to get they didn't get Powell's in the break Powell's is their main man their best climber after Uran and I guess they got two options they the problem is the valley before the last climb. It's so long and you can't really, I don't think you can realistically try anything there because all you're going to have it happen is Dennis is going to mow you down in that valley. Bissiger? So Yeah, Bissiger. You can try. I mean, I don't know if he did. Is he, he good get enough over to get those, over the climbs? Well, yeah, did he get over the Lukmanir pass? Yeah. I don't know how quickly they did them. It was tough with the team EF had, to be honest. The Ineos team, Dunbar, Dennis, Sivakov. 
for Carapaz. Sivakov was before Dennis today. But uh, before we get to the final climb, mention our show partner, Lacol. They produce performance cycling apparel. If you want to get yourself some summer kit, it's not too late. They've got the new Monte Grappa collection uh, that's just dropped. They've got Pro Air jersey as part of that, lightweight jersey if you like climbing the mountains in summer, and there's the full collection including base layers, etc. men and women's. So if you want to check that out, they support the podcast and uh, maybe get some of that kit before the Tour de France rolls around. But Benji, this final climb is all about that. It was basically Pernstein at clear and Ineos pacing with first Sivakov, then Dennis. What did, what did you think the play should have been for EF at that point? They got powerless in that group with Carapaz, only a 17-second buffer. Do you try on the climb? Do you try and get rid of Dunbar, or do you just wait for one big effort on the descent? I think the best way to do it is to try and isolate Carapaz as much as possible. I don't think it's going to be easy. We know that Dennis hasn't been up to speed or up to his usual mountain form, like last year in the Giro, for example. So we know that he's going to drop rather early, and that indeed Dunbar is the one you need to take care of now. Dunbar has been looking on the level of Paulus for me, this Swiss. So I wasn't thinking that Paulus was really going to put Dunbar in danger. And that's where the issue lies, I think. I think Paulus, despite being good, was not on a level to actually put fear in the hearts of Ineos here. Dunbar could basically just pace because what what are they going to do? Are they going to send uh, Paulus in a bit of a satellite rider move 20 meters before the group and then have Aram try and bridge up? Yes, Dunbar's going to close it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's, what they, that's exactly what they tried to do. They did that. So, and it, to be honest, it kind of worked. Like they were the only team to it. Well, they well, in that, Ineos actually seemed to hard pace with Dunbar, and Dunbar dropped himself when he didn't need to. Paulus is like six minutes on GC, and yeah, Dunbar was pacing really, really hard trying to chase Paulus, and I was like. Paulus like I mean, what's he going to do? Like, <laughs> I mean, is he going to get a massive gap? Uh, if he does, like, you'll probably catch him on the descent, or he's going to have to wait up on the descent. It's going to be just—it's better to have numbers around Carapaz. But Uran eventually did attack on the climb, which was kind of surprising. Uh, he pretty much had Carapaz right on the wheel. Draft is still important for these guys at these speeds; they go so fast. Carapaz, the whole group on his wheel. Gets to Paulus, his satellite rider, and goes straight past him and then realises I should probably just stop leading out Carapaz on this climb. And credit to Run for trying. I would have probably tried. Mate, mate, proper yeah. credit. The guy yeah, attacked okay. more in this stage than in the last five years combined. Credit to him for attacking. Got it. Yeah, he did try. Um, the problem was it kind of set something up for Mike Woods. Mike Woods then, when Uran stopped, Woods counted over the top. He's three minutes on GC, so Ineos Carapaz waited up, allowed Dunbar to come back. Ineos special tempo again, maintain a decent gap to uh, Mike Woods, who you mean sixteen k's left. He's not going to gain three minutes with a descent coming up. And Shakman was dropped, so Ineos got some extra help from Fulsang, who was going for his career-defining third on GC at Tour de Suisse, given that <laughs> Alaphilippe Philippe's gone, because Alaphilippe Philippe would have taken third on GC. So they want the third on GC for Fulsang. So he's pacing backwards. And then Gino Mater's like, well, if Mark Badun can do it, I can do it too. Attacks out of the GC group, not a GC threat. I think, I don't know where he was on GC, Benji, but oh, I don't know what happened to him. Ages back, he had a... Pretty good TT, I think, ascent yesterday. Good climber and immediately gaps the GC group. Dunbar pacing, not too worried about Mater or Woods either. So the question was, with Woods going over the top, 
non-technical descent, Wood maybe be able to catch Woods. And I think how bad is Mike Woods descending Benji? Is it like do you have to factor it in for every stage profile now with the descent finish? So if I look at like the level on which people are in descending, you've got Mohoric at the top, you've got a Bardet and so, that kind of level under it. I think Nibali somewhere between a Bardet and a Mohoric, in all honesty. Then we go downwards and we see a level of Roglic, for example. We go down even more and we've got the level of, oh, I don't know, an, aver- an average descender, for example. Uh, let's say, I can't say Uran because he's actually good at it. Um, give me a name, average descender. <laughs> average Someone, descender. Yeah. I think I think Port is, I think Port and Thomas are, are, are better than Wolves. Uh, come on. <laughs> Nah, because, I don't think they're an average ascender. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just saying, like, going down your... An average ascender, I don't know, just Pots of Vivo seems like mediocre descender, yeah. to be honest. Okay, I think I think Woods is somewhere above the level of Zuckerin and Martin and under the level of Port and Thomas. Okay, yeah, I think... Because those guys don't get gapped on descents all the time. They just seem to crash all the time. This is a non-technical descent. There's, like, a few sweeping corners, and I'll admit it, I was a little bit bored with this stage race, so I had to lay Woods pretty heavily to keep myself engaged. And I laid Woods. He had a big gap at the top. I was like, this bloke cannot descend. And Gino made us coming quick. And rule number one in cycling, if you see a Bahrain victorious rider attack the GC group on a climb, he's probably going to go and win the stage if uh, the last month anything to go by. And, yeah, Maida caught him so quickly. Maida, we saw yesterday, did an average descent, I think. Uh, so... It's not like he's the best in the world. Maybe it's the factor bike and the disc brakes that Froome's been complaining about. I don't know. But Maida catches yeah. Woods. Those guys start relaying. Full sanks in the group behind. What, what did you see in the group behind, Benji? And Sorry, is there anything else you want to add to the Woods-Maida discussion? Well, first of all, in the group behind, we saw that people are trying to uh, attack left and right. And that caused, to, well, that caused the group to kind of stop going at a proper base again then Dunbar had to take over again and then Dunbar was left with a gap because Carapaz was like just go go ahead go for it and Dunbar had a bit of a gap Fulsang tried to close it eventually that all came back together but that tempo going down again because Dunbar wasn't going to keep pacing at a crazy pace because the stage was well not really in their care they cared about GC Shockman started coming back Fulsang sees that because well Shockman is eight seconds ahead in GC before the stage and on the third spot of the podium, like you mentioned earlier. Well, Fulsang tried again to extend the lead again. And that was a bit of a, a game between those riders and Fulsang kept on pacing then. But I did want to move to the front because we had Woods basically giving a bit of a lead out as well because he's going the final kilometer. There's that, there's all those bends on, on the on the slight cobble terrain road surface. And Woods takes a corner that is... Ah, his bike handling in that corner was not so perfect, and he loses a bit of momentum there. Mater still in the wheel, but Woods opens up so early. Mater passes him on the right side of the road, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, Roglic comes out, and Roglic wins the stage. <laughs> Imagine that would be <laughs> Twitter would go crazy. It was funny because yeah, Mater pulled Woods all the way to one kilometer. I, I would say Mater was doing the majority of the work, and I was like, Woods is like a bit pretty quick. One would think. And then he gets to 1K and he's like, no more, and stops, which I think is, yeah, pretty smart from Gino Made a heads-up play. Woods yep. is like, oh, pressure from the group behind. And, yeah, Woods got a little bit out of control on the cobbles. There's like a 
uh, narrow strips of smooth pavement in the middle of the coals. He's trying to stay on that line. And, yeah, he basically gives a downhill sort of minus 2% lead out to Mater, who does a Nicky Assant to the right-hand side and wins and almost looks back at him like, did you? Is this the right finish line? Am I missing something? Because yeah, Mater didn't even look, didn't even get out of the saddle. So a little bit, a little bit strange. I think maybe Woods. I, I rated his. I thought he was really quick, and I thought he was going to win the sprint. To be honest, uh, but yeah, he gave the lead out to Mater. Mater takes another win, his second, so his second of the year. I'm losing track. Bahrain are absolutely out of control. Let me bring up their stats, Benji. Bahrain have 13 wins this year. They've got one, oh, two, five, yeah, three. <laughs> Seven of them are at World Tour level, two zero stages. And the rest is Bauhaus. <laughs> yeah, the rest is legit just Bauhaus. It is. It's, yeah, it's Bauhaus pretty much with, with five. So, yeah, Bahrain still flying. Made us, made a, you know, franking that form from the Giro, oh, the Giro and Paris-Nice. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just wrap up the uh, GC because there was, there was no GC changes except for full sang leapfrogging Shuckman into third. But it's Carapaz winning GC of Tour de Suisse over Uran, then Fulsang, Schachmann, Woods at 255, Potsaviva, Kloster, Uman, Cataneo, and Chavez, 10th. Fulsang, Fulsang taking the third. I, I wish Alaphilippe was there today, but understandably he's not. Um, would have been cool to see what he could have done on today's stage. But yeah, what, what's your big takeaways or from Tour de Suisse, Benji? Is it that Eddie Dunbar's ready to – he's one of the most important mountain guys for Ineos in the next few years? The thing is, like, a few years ago, he was already showing a lot of talent. I remember this random attack in some random-ass race. I can't remember which one it is. And he just destroyed the group. And Giro I think Tele- that is acceleration. Giro Toscana. He, he absolutely shredded the group. For Did I watch gone. the Giro della Toscana ever? <laughs> That's surprising. But uh, anyway, Dunbar did exactly that. And that was one I was like, okay, he's got some real acceleration here. And... Since then, I've been following him left and right. He was also part of the the race at Polonia last year, the one Remco won. He was a person trying to chase down Remco. Did not succeed, but gave a wonderful effort to try and do so. And he's shown to be good, but is he good to get on the level of being in the Tour de France train of Ineos? I think it's difficult. I don't know yet because you've got... Well, we can't just start selecting the, the Ineos names, but you've got riders like Rowe that are basically destined to be uh, selected as a road captain. Those fill up a team as well. Then as we have, the leaders we have, those other spots are going to be very difficult to fill in and I'm not sure whether he's on that level or not. I haven't thought about it yet. Um, I don't know because, yeah, Kwiatkowski, I think yeah. Ineos, yeah, mountain train at the Tour. I guess Carapaz and Port are that mountain train for Geraint Thomas if they're <laughs> just saying to be believed. What about Mike Woods? Speaking of the Tour, Benji, you've watched Tour de Swiss now. I guess some of our concerns have been confirmed regarding him as a GC rider, that his TT is is atrocious and the descending's a problem as well. He, he's, he's a pun- great puncher, great uphill he finishes, almost you know, as good as Roglic and Pogaccio sometimes, um, but they're also there taking those bonus seconds. Is it plausible that he can really go for top five on GC at the Tour? I don't believe so. I don't think that Woods has the abilities to do so. I don't think anyone on Israel's Startup Nation has the abilities to do so. They're either lacking time trial, they're either lacking form. It's it's not looking good Descending. when it comes to GC there. I, I genuinely say if I was Israel's Startup Nations like uh, Rick Verbrugge, I'd say, well, we're going for stages with, with Woods, Martin in the breakaway because that's actually possible. They can get 
multiple stage wins if they do so, because Woods is definitely strong enough to do that. But is he strong enough to win? Oh, you, well, top five? No, because his time trial is, is just not good enough. Like, we can talk about the Vaughn to Descend, but I think the Vaughn to Descend is not necessarily the most technical one, which means that I'm still like, are oh, they probably going to be relatively all right in that descent? But in terms of time trialing, that's the biggest issue here. I think that that's unovercomable. And I think that, therefore, the best way to do is just go for stages, multiple ones. Make it like the tour where Yates did that, that you reminded me of last week off camera. Yeah, Yates and Trentin in, really sticks out of my mind in the 2019 Tour de France. I think that was really memorable. And, uh, yeah, I just think Dan Martin and Mike Woods in breakaways would be absolutely lethal. Like, they can, those two can drop anybody on a climb that's typically in a break, except maybe maybe it's them against Mark Padun and Gino Maida. Now, that is some serious battles yeah. in a break <laughs> if that happens. Um, yeah, but might they not be, like, uh, requested to ride for GC leader Grapple? <laughs> or Chris Froome. I don't know. Well, Israel Star Nation put out a tweet yesterday asking for us, or not us, people to <laughs> select their Tour de France team. So maybe you can give them feedback on that as to what you think their team should be and the strategy of that. Speaking of other riders, Belgian Benji Teichmanot, he's gone for GC here, it seems. He got in the break today. He wasn't good enough to... Say Pernsteiner stayed away and no one chased. He wouldn't have won because Pernsteiner was a better climber today. He's finished in GC 15th, 9 minutes 22 back. He has three wins. DSM have one win this year. His best result was Strade in 2018 where he won a stage in Paranese last year. He, What do you think is the actual optimal race program for Teich Benoit? Because going for... Top 10 on GC at Tour de Suisse, to me, for a team that's not winning much, doesn't seem to be the best way of using him. I agree, but then again, he did top five Paranese this year, and that's like still a good result, despite the competition of Roglic there not being exactly uh, amazing. And well, Roglic is not even in the top five of that GC, so technically Roglic was the best rider there, so he would have ended sixth if Roglic didn't crash. But all in all, I think uh, Benoit can go for GC, but is it worth it? That is a real question. That's the question you're asking. And I think I'd rather see him try and go for stages every single mountain stage and try and do a Padun, for example. He's not as good in my opinion, but he definitely got talent. And he's got a team that is good at breakaway riders. Well, that sentence makes no sense, but his team is good at doing breakaways. We saw that at the tour last year. They did it with Hershey, entire four-man uh, squads in the breakaway for them trying to set yeah. things up for one rider and Peterson if they do so SKA. for uh, for Benoit as well then I think that there's definitely a possibility there the problem is that he's also kind of on the edge of being the best in the breakaway when he's in them and he's always like second or third in that breakaway group that is left and uh, there's always one person that is better recently and that's a bit of a problem I think if you're not going to, is TT's bad? Like straight up, it's just bad. Like 40, if he's going for GC at Paranese, he came 47th in the TT there, which is a little bit rolly, should sort of suit him. Then Tour de Suisse, 67th in the first TT, 30th in the second TT, bearing in mind that in the second TT, there's a lot of people not trying. Maybe he wasn't. So it's if you're not going to improve your TT, then Paranese is good for guys with a, you know, there's, there's, there's one proper mountain stage, stage seven. It, having a good TT kind of helps. Uh, that's why Shackman 
did so well and Vlasov had a better TT, same with Yoni Zagiro. He should be doing GC races that, if he's going to go for GC, go for GC where the TT isn't as important or is it where it's short or whatever. There's not going to be big time gaps. So, yeah, I think that's something to bear in mind. His career is kind of stalling a little bit for a guy that came fifth in the Tour of Flanders at 21 years old uh, six years ago and won Strade. It's, uh, yeah, it's strange. He didn't even do Strade this year. So <laughs> yep. maybe he's been injured. I don't know. Just something to think about. It's something I, I'm trying to think more about is is teams and riders, especially the Tour of Slovenia, Belgium Tour. What, what are, where are they sending the riders and why are they not getting as many wins as you think with the class they have? The Tour was wrapped up. We'll move on to Tour of Slovenia now if you're listening on podcast wait, players. Wait, 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 wait. I've got one small thing before we end. At the start of the podcast, I mentioned that De La Cruz won KOM. That's not the case. Apparently, Woods, at the end of San Gotardo climb, had uh, accidentally sprinted to the same points in total as De La Cruz and Samitier, and somehow he won it. So I'm not sure why he won it, but he's basically on same points in 1KOM of Tour de Suisse. So I wanted to correct that. There we go. All right. We should maybe re-record the whole pod now. but um. Yeah, congrats to Mike Woods. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, Benji's just trying to stop me having my Tour de France, pre-Tour de France break. But yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, check out the separate video with Tour of Slovenia highlights and we'll continue with that now. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice. And you can't say that we don't work hard. Sunday afternoon, football starting now. We're recapping the Tour of Slovenia result that we told you would happen yesterday. This show, as you can tell, is sponsored by Lacol. They produce performance cycling apparel, lecol.cc. Wore their Mountain Pro Air jersey this morning down to La Soy in Spain, and it was absolutely magic. But here's the Slovenia's last stage recap, stage five. And, uh, yeah, it was a sprint stage. The hills, 176Ks, the, the last couple of hills were way too far from the finish for someone like Bauhaus or Aberastri or anyone to really be in danger. So it's going to be a sprint stage from Ljubljana to Nove Mesto. But we, we did have a break, Benji, and there was a, a moment where I thought, well, UAE won't care about this break because they're so far behind on GC. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But Bauhaus was going to, like, chase it down anyway. Like, (laughs) I had no belief in this break winning. And when I saw who was in it, I saw a few riders I knew, but that's about it. Thorsten Tran was in it for UNOX. We had uh, Iridzar. I think that's Jon Iridzar and not the other one because I think the other one's retired two years ago from Trek. Uh, Viktor Potoki, basically uh, the only Croatian rider I still know because... I've got the feeling since Kizilowski, they really haven't had a, uh, a big talent in that country, which is a bit sad. I think that football's become the most important sport in that country. So we got to take that back. Luka Modric, my favorite football player. But go on. I was my favorite cyclist. Um, Patrick Tibor, Askov, Bernas, and Lavric. Bernas uh, is a rider that some of us might know. I think I've told this story before. He's uh, the rider that in one of the Tour de France stages, uh, someone crashed at, a, at an intersection and Bernas was riding for, I think, CCC at the time yeah, and decided yeah. to uh, <laughs> lay with the rider. He just he just stepped off his bike and laid down because he didn't feel like, didn't feel like continuing from that point on. <laughs> it's the best clip. You can probably find it on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was the break today. They eventually got caught because Bahrain was pulling and also bike exchange because this entire Slovenia tour, they've had proper confidence in every single one of their riders, including Kanger to beat Pogacar, including Stannard to beat all the other sprinters here. 
Okay, so there's pretty much Bahrain taking over, bringing back the brakes, setting up their full train. Their train here is completely overpowered for the competition we have. We'll discuss that afterwards. Uh, this is a dot pro race. This is not a dot one 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 two. This is a dot pro race. There's just the step below World Tour designation. And yeah, we've got Bahrain with Hausler, Moritz, Tratnik, Seberg, Seberg retiring at the end of this year, and Milan, overpowered train. And first it was Tratnik. Well, I think it was actually Morich is uh, in the points jersey. He yep. started sprinting, got Bauhaus fourth wheel. Then Seberg was second last. And we have like a, a left-hand bend from memory. Seberg pulls off and then goes into the middle. He blocks the quick lane for everybody else. And then Hausler and Bauhaus get the fast uh, sort of line on the right-hand side. They go through so quickly. And Seberg does such a good job blocking. We see actually the quick step guys do this quite a bit. It actually creates a split. <laughs> it's pretty much just four guys. Hausler leading up Bauhaus with like 250 to go and is where he gets dropped off as well as I think it was Edmondson and Matteo Trentin. Aberastri was on the wrong side of a split behind, so his sprint was stuffed. Edmondson starts sprinting out of the wind really, really early on the left-hand side, but it's Phil Bauhaus through the middle. Opens up early, but he's just way, way too good compared to everybody else here. Wins this by multiple bike lengths, three or four. Trenton trying to come from deep as well, but he doesn't even get over the top of Hausler, the lead-up man for Bauhaus. Top 10, Bauhaus, Edmondson for Bike Exchange second, and Hausler, Trenton, Aberastri, Sars, Gibson, Ruby Oliveira, Banaschek, and Sobrero. So Bauhaus wins two stages here. Uh, UAE win two stages. Who won the other stage, Benji? Aberastri was the only non-UAE, non-Bahrain guy, non-World Tour team to win a stage. In terms of GC, obviously no changes in that regard. Pagasha wins the Slovenia GC as expected. Ulysses second at 121. Matteo Sobrero third. Seriously, he he's out of contract. He's a guy I'll be signing for decent money next year. He looks very, very talented. Uh, sort of got the TT base, climbing well, and uh, yeah, really good GC guy for the future. Twenty four years old. But uh, what I want to ask you, Benji, is first of all, also about the sprinters because this is a sprint stage. Why at Tour of Belgium do we have Ewan Merlier? We're supposed to have Bennett, Groenewegen, and Nitolo, uh, all the best sprinters in the world, pretty much. Ackerman. And it's a dot pro race, and we have a Slovenia dot pro race, and the best sprinter is Phil Bauhaus, and the second best sprinter is Aberastri. Why are teams not allocating their sprinters or resources a bit better to try and get some wins against not a strong competition? I think that objectively looking at this, that the best sprinters just like to go to the best country in the world. And like, <laughs> in all honesty, that is the reason why. But no, in, uh, on a serious note, I think that you're right. I think that a lot of sprinters, like uh, a perfect example, two perfect examples for me is that David Decker has basically become the lead out for Grunewagen since Grunewagen's back, which I don't like because Decker actually had talent to become a proper sprinter. He should have been at Croatia or in Olaf Goy, for example, just one of the sprinters for Jumbo because... Those two riders need these opportunities to do well in. And I think that this would have been a good race to place that in. And then you've got, for example, Case Ball, who, um, well, you mentioned it a few podcasts ago, like an, a portion of podcasts ago, I think in Paranese back in the day, that um, he's a rider that either does a really good result or is nowhere at all. And that's clear because in the Belgium tour, he's doing exactly the same. He's nowhere at all at the moment. So... I feel like 
chances in races like this with limited competition are better because he seems to only go to races with the big competition and then you have to get it perfect to get it right and definitely because his train seems to always set up with like seven people ahead of him and by the time you get to the sprint they're usually blocked behind other people and can't get to the front enough to bring him to the sprint and i think that's one of the reasons that uh he doesn't get many opportunities to actually be having a good result because his train is just not riding the most clever way in my opinion i mean i look at I accept Belgium Tour and Slovenia, they, they may be the same official designation of the UCI, but the Belgium Tour is bigger, particularly for Quickstep and Jumbo Visma at least. Like there's going to be more people watching. I mean, it's got bigger names. I accept that. That doesn't mean you need to send all your eggs in one basket to that race. As Benji said, Decker would love to you know, give him the opportunity to get his first pro win. He can certainly win at this competition, a tour of Slovenia. Another name would be Gronovic. Well, Gronovic himself, get him a win after, you know, they sent him straight to the Giro. Yeah. <laughs> and then they sent him to a Belgium tour, not exactly, you know, sort of baptism by fire. Who else was there? I mean, yeah, Merlier is probably the opposite where it's like, no, no, he, he's won a lot of the 1-1 races. Yeah. We want to see him against good competition. So it's just a part of allocation. It's the same way Movistar literally sent no one to the Giro send everyone to the Vuelta and it actually crowds out their ability to succeed. And right now, Phil Bauhaus has five wins. That's more than a lot of World Tour teams. DSM has one win this year, that case bold win Benji mentioned. As Reserve Citroen have four wins. So, And some of them are at uh, – three of them are at least are at top pro level. So wins at the pro level are not easy to come by, but they are easier if you send your riders to the right races uh what about pagacha benji does this change your view on anything for him at the tour de france I, I doesn't, it doesn't really move the needle at all for me correct but it does confirm that he's not injured in a race beforehand because last year we had roglic fall in dauphine going to slovenia was a tiny bit dangerous for pogacha because you always have the option to well the chance of crashing in a race this did not happen so i feel more safe about Pogacar leading into the Tour de France this way. And from the performance he showed, he does look very strengthy, but this does not make it levels above what we expected because the competition here is basically nothing. Like if Sobrero's the second best climber in the race, respect to the guy. Like generally talented, but that's that's not on the on the level that a Pogacar needs competition. It's at, it's not a challenge for him. And that shows with the climb yesterday. I think they, they did 6.9 watts per kilogram on that climb. And I'm expecting if Roglic and Pogacar were both there, it would be 7.3, 7.2 if they both did it. And that's significant level higher. So I think that, um, that basically uh, shows that we don't know too much more about the strength of, Rog- uh, of Pogacar, but it does display that his team's relatively in uh, in good fashion at the moment. But then again, I saw, I think, uh, a comment on the podcast yesterday and I didn't 100% agree with it. Uh, one where uh, uh, I think talking about the team of UAE that they're looking very strong for the Tour and I don't think we can really see that from this I race. Don't agree. I, f- I don't think we can see that from this race. I, like, I think that it's easy to look good if the competition's not at a proper level. We didn't have a we didn't have a mountain in this in this race. There was no mountain for them to pull. So, like I'm sure on the flat, Pierre and Co will be fine. Uh, obviously, Ampelance I think is really good, but Micah, 
I don't have a strong conviction that he's going to be able to close gaps if, say, Carapaz attacks. If Carapaz attacks Pogacar in the Tour de France on the second ascent of Mont Ventoux, do I think Micah will close the gap for Pogacar in an effective way? No. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I don't think their mountain train is is sort of fixed at all. McNulty is, again, <laughs> I mean, it's different. Like you got to remember, Richie Port, well, Peak Walt Poles at Sky. That they're very, very special riders who were like capable of winning one week World Tour stage races and did as the best climber in those races. Ineos will have Port if he's running as a domestique in that sort of role as well. So UAE's mountain train, if if you can call it a train, I, I don't think is yeah that uh, that strong still going to be Pagacha isolated a lot I think Yumbo Visma as well they got question marks too but we'll say that for the Tour de France otherwise Tour of Slovenia wrapped up great to see Pagacha do his home race uh, would it's a shame a break didn't win or we didn't have like a one of the local Conti guys come sort of you know ne- nearly win how would I change the parkour for that maybe have a, a longer mountain climb and then another one of the sort of a rolly stage the next day because the problem with this stage was, yes, there's GC gaps now, but it's so nailed on for a sprint that uh, it's going to be Bahrain and Bauhaus all day. But that's our recap of the Tour of Slovenia and uh, we'll see you with nothing tomorrow. We're all out tomorrow. We'll have a little break, I think, Benji, before. Wow. Yeah, before the Tour de France content starts in earnest. Until then, ciao. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.